Yeah, I was going to mention that. Thanks for uh, allowing me to be up here with the young men in the group that you guys are ministering to and coaching. I really appreciate that. Um, I just want to open a prayer tonight uh, real quick before we get started. So, uh, Lord God, we just thank you so much for um, just everybody being able to get here tonight. All the things just, you know, if people have had crazy days and things like that um, just throughout the day. Things that like to try to distract us from getting here and uh, just making us tired and busy and all those things. Um, Lord, we just thank you for, again, getting us here tonight safely. Uh, we pray for anybody that was trying to get here that couldn't make it. And Lord, we just pray that tonight we'd have open hearts, open minds. We'd be willing to receive what you have to share with us. Um, help guide me through what you've given me to share. Um, and help keep me on track. Avoid rabbit trails. <laughs> um, and thank you again for tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so yeah, like I said, thankful and grateful and blessed to be up here sharing with you guys. Um, this is a really cool series we've got, yep, God Wants You to Be Happy. Uh, that's my topic for this evening. Uh, how many of you guys have been here for the rest of the other two nights? Been here? Nice. Anybody for at least one of the nights? All of them? Okay. Uh, I would encourage you, if you haven't been here, to go, go back online. They're all, they're all on YouTube, right? Um, they're all on the la- uh, online recordings. Uh, go back and check them out. They're really good. We had uh, Skylar opened us up with God Helps Those That Help Themselves. Um, very common phrase. And then last week we had Liam, uh, God will never give you more than you can handle. That was really awesome. And tonight we have, uh, you deserve to be happy, right? And the next three weeks coming up, we'll have topics that you'll have to come to find out because I'm not going to tell you what they are. <laughs> it's a secret. You have to show up and then enjoy awesome desserts afterwards. I think tonight we have homemade ice cream and cookies, homemade ice cream sandwiches. That's what it is. Nice. So uh, tonight, before we do get started, like every other week that we've been doing and we will continue to do each week, uh, we have our little disclaimer, right? If uh, any of the phrases that we've mentioned today, during this series, um, if you've lived by them or followed them, a lot of them have been really like with the most, uh, with the best intentions, right? So a lot of these phrases have been used. If, if you've lived your life by these or anything like that, please don't feel like we're trying to single anybody out or tear anybody down, anything like that. Um, we really just want to take common phrases that sometimes a phrase will just get caught in and then passed along and passed down through generations and generations. And then next thing you know, you have no idea even where it came from or if it's even biblically true, it just sounds right because Christians keep saying it. Um, so that's, that's our goal, right? Let's, let's take these phrases, let's put a biblical spotlight on them, um, and then see, see what we come with there. So, so uh, phrase tonight, you deserve to be happy. So how many of you heard this phrase? Raise your hand. Yeah. How many have said, well, I won't say no. How many have heard it? <laughs> that wasn't in my notes. I shouldn't be asking things. It's not in my notes, right? Uh, so we've, pretty much all of us have heard it, right? Or a variation, maybe you've heard, uh, God just wants me to be happy, right? That might be another version that someone uses for themselves. Um, so what we're going to explore tonight is uh, where does it come from and the worldview and the dangers of living life in that mindset and then what God's word has to say about it or the biblical response. Um, so when starting out, I wanted to, I had a really cool idea, like I'll just go define happy, right? Let's, let's start with there. Let's just define the word happy. You deserve to be happy. What does happy mean? Which is a lot more complicated than you would think. <laughs> I went through and was searching and I ended up in rabbit trails forever. There's no actual, I mean, there's a few different definitions that I'll bring to you, but then there's just a wide spectrum of how to apply that to your life. Um, the, think about it for yourself. So if, you say, if I say to you, like, what makes you happy? Like, think about that response in your head, just what makes you happy? So just now we had about, you know, two or three dozen different responses because what makes you happy is different than what everybody else makes you happy. Some people like meat, some people like vegetables, some people like cars, sports, different TV shows. Uh, some people like to stay home and relax, like myself. Some people can't stand being home and want to get out and go do stuff. 
So it's just a whole variety of what makes people happy. Uh, so in a definition, I figured, you know, let's go to some, some dictionaries, some actual definitions, right? I'm not going to take you to English class. We're just going to hit a few different topics because there's a common thread that I found when I find, um, you know, secular or like worldly definitions. Um, so in the American Heritage Dictionary, uh, in the first definition of happy, like what does it mean to be happy, is enjoying, showing, or marked by pleasure, or satisfaction, or joy. Sounds good. Uh, another version is character, uh, characterized by good luck. So a synonym of that would be fortunate. I shouldn't put words in here that I can't pronounce. <laughs> uh, and if we jump over to Merriam-Webster, right, we're all familiar with that dictionary. Uh, it's favored by luck or fortune. That's their first one out of the gates. Luck, fortune. Uh, the third definition was enjoying or characterized by well-being and contentment. Uh, and then one more, Britannica, right, because they're pretty well known. Uh, feeling pleasure and enjoyment because of your life situation. So that's very situational, right? It's very subjective. Uh, showing or causing feelings of pleasure and enjoyment. So the common theme here is luck, fortune, feelings. It's all the stuff that's just constantly moving. It's like hitting a moving target. You can never hit it. Uh, the worldly ba uh, happiness is based on how we feel and by chance, not actually by the design, uh, from design, by the God who designed us and the world and created the universe and everything in it, right? That's who should be defining our happiness. We should be defining that through God. So if we get into uh, the world and psychology, you get into there, there's, I'm, I'm going to butcher these words too, but uh, in psychology, there's a couple different variations of ha where you can find happiness. Um, there's hedonistic, that was the right one. So hedonistic is the abundance of positive feelings without any of the negative feelings. So you're just supposed to erase all the negative feelings, find this probably like a Zen state or something like that where you're just po completely filled with just positive, happy, filled emotions. Um, and then the other one is uh, eudaimonia, maybe. <laughs> you gotta click on the dictionary where it like reads it to you. Uh, so that's living life to the fullest with the full spectrum of emotions. And that actually comes more from Aristotle. Um, where his mindset was the highest, the highest good of a thing or person. So if you are a person, you're always trying to achieve your best, highest good, your best standard, always be your best self, right? Be the best version of you that you can be. We've heard that kind of stuff. Um, so those are the two different approaches. So if you take those two thoughts, I found this little snippet on a, uh, a psychology website. Um, it says you can pick the pro approach that you, you like best. So again, you get to choose your own happiness. Uh, hedonistic or the other one that I have a hard time pronouncing. Uh, and you define your own happiness. It doesn't matter what, uh, how you do it, just as long as you remember two important things. So this, again, is worldly mindset. Happiness is a state, not a trait. It means that it can only change and it can be achieved. Very few people are inherently happy, and for most, happiness is a combination of experiences, emotions, and things like that. And number two to remember is happiness is not a binary phenomenon, it's a spectrum. Maybe you feel a little less happy today than you did yesterday, but that doesn't mean that you are now unhappy, you're just not as happy as you were yesterday. <laughs> so <laughs> so now uh, I, I grabbed some different quotes of when you search for uh, you deserve to be happy, there's a ton of things that you can find. Uh, so I pulled out a few quotes of some pretty commonly known people. Uh, the first one I wanna quote, it says, there's a difference between thinking you deserve to be happy and knowing that you are worthy of being happy. Your being alive makes worthiness your birthright. Ooh, that's like powerful, right? You alone are enough. So that would be our Miss Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> In that, I think that's like two sentences. She said you five times. So just think entitlement, right? Uh, 
Another more of a philosophical one. Uh, you can search throughout the entire universe for someone who is more deserving of your love and affection than you yourself. And that person is not to be found anywhere. You yourself, as much as anybody else in the entire universe, deserve your love and affection. And that would be Buddha. That one in there is you or your seven times. And not once did he mention anybody else, except for to point out that they are equally as deserving of your own love of yourself as you are. So again, you know, if we... We'll get into it more, but you know Jesus' approach is not to esteem ourselves higher than others. It's the opposite. So, now that we're all over the place, right? We're herding cats. We're trying to nail jello to trees. <laughs> Happiness is just everything, right? Don't get those mixed up because we don't herd jello or nail cats to trees. That's not <laughs> what we're trying to do. <laughs> it's very important that you get your phrases right, right? Um, so, let's look at a couple life applications where these are actually used. So, these are different, um, different ways that people would use these. So, the... The first one that I chose, neither of these are more than the other, but um, the first one would be to justify a sinful lifestyle choice. Um, so someone may be living a sinful lifestyle, making bad choices, uh, sinful choices in their life, and then they're conf- confronted by the truth of God, maybe somebody's sharing with them, somebody in their life is sharing something, uh, but they actually take these phrases and hide behind it like a shield, so they can kind of just brush off whoever's, you know, well, that's fine, but I deserve to be happy, so it's whatever I want to do, uh, you know, whatever makes me happy at that moment. Um, So what is the danger of this application to justify a sinful lifestyle? Uh, It can lead definitely right away to a shallow understanding of God's word and purpose in our lives. Uh, It can actually encourage sin in a sinful lifestyle and then push down the conviction of the Holy Spirit. So if the Holy Spirit's trying to use someone to convict you, uh, or people in general, not saying you, I'm not not looking at anybody. Um, that phrase can be used to kind of just shove that off and say, well, I deserve to be happy, so I can just do whatever I want to do. A a good example of this, maybe, I would say me, but if somebody wants to, I would say, yeah, racing down the highway at like 90 miles an hour, right? That seems, that's pretty like energy, like uh, adrenaline rush is what it is. So that makes you feel happy in that moment. It's also highly illegal and dangerous, and you'll either get a ticket and or if you don't get in an accident uh, and cause a major, you know, wreck. So in that instance my happy could actually harm myself, kill myself, and possibly harm others and kill others in that state. So it's super dangerous, and that's pretty an intense uh, example. But a less extreme example, maybe, uh, you might all be familiar, is the dopamine hit that you get when you get a text message or a social media like. That is an actual chemical reaction that happens in your brain. If you hear the ding on your phone, there's a chemical uh, dopamine hit that your body craves that. Uh, If you guys want to get more into that, I don't know if I'm allowed to recommend, but The Social Dilemma uh, is a nice, uh, it's a documentary, but it's got a lot of the Google, Facebook, a lot of social media people that actually founded the stuff and built it. Um, And one of the things that I I put in here about that was the like button, right? You click it, thumbs up, you like someone's picture. That was designed by those people to say, hey, people are sharing things, they're posting things. Wouldn't it be so cool if somebody put a picture up and then somebody else was like, cool, I like that. And then there's a thumbs up and that kind of like, oh, that, they like that, and that's a cool picture, and then that's it, right? Everybody's happy. But what it actually turned into is the, quite the opposite. Depression, anxiety, people will post something, and they'll sit there and monitor and monitor and hover and monitor to see how many likes do I have, how many people are monitoring or looking at it, how many views. And it becomes, you get consumed with this thing that was supposed to just like, hey, smile and move on, right? But it's become this thing. And actually, the people that invented it, they talk in the documentary, uh, they talk about that. They say, this, we never anticipated that actually happening. We, we actually wanted people just to share and like build community and be happy. 
Um, so it's pretty interesting at the end of that, you'll notice the people that are involved in that do not allow their children to have social media. So that'll tell you something. <laughs> like the people that built it say, no, <laughs> not for my kids. Um, and then just to touch on a quick alternative way that that can go, um, if any of you have been familiar with the recent rules and regulations with the UN, and uh, we'll just say the allowable age gap difference in relationships, uh, it's pretty scary and dark and evil how fast this phrase can get. I deserve to be happy. If this terrible, horrible thing that destroys people's lives makes me happy, then that's what I deserve. So that's where it can go. I'm not going to dig into the UN thing because we have young mixed audience in here. So that's justifying a sinful lifestyle. Um, another place that you'll commonly find it is kind of the prosperity gospel teaching. Um, so this is more into the Christian circle, right? That's more kind of a, a secular approach to it. This is more in the Christian circles where it'll get into. Um, this vision takes the focus of true happiness and points it at our feelings and emotions. And yes, there are tons of scriptures that you know, talk about us being blessed, cared for, awesome promises in our future coming for those that believe in God and follow him. Um, that give our lives to Jesus. There's all those things, but when you cherry pick the good stuff and take out the requirements of holy living that goes with it, um, then it becomes a name it and claim it type of a phrase uh, and mindset. It becomes a, I'm a child of God, this entitlement thing, so I feel, I deserve to feel happy all the time. Um, and that can be the job, the spouse, income, whatever, there could be some terrible job that you're seeking after that's just, well, I think it makes me happy because I make a lot of money and I feel like you know, super rich and that's gonna be really good for me, so... It basically boils down to, if it makes you happy, then it must be what God wants for your life, and not only that, but you deserve it, because that's what God wants. So, pretty clear what the dangers could be here. Uh, happiness is subjective and fleeting, uh, something we try to chase down only to feel less satisfied, actually, when we get it. So you'll hit that next goal and the next goal. Um, some research has been done on CEOs of companies. They're actually shown, the higher up on the chain they are, if they're CEOs running you know, businesses, these people should be very happy, right? They have money, success, maybe fame or fortune, whatever it is. They have control over, maybe it's their own business they've built up to be this you know, massive empire. Like they've really achieved something, but studies actually show that they're twice as, uh, they are, yeah, more than double the rate of the general public of depression. And the general public, by the way, is 20%. So it's already depression is very high. And a lot of that, they say, is it correlation or causation? Back to the social media thing. Is it, is it caused by social media or is it just that social media is fueling that? There's debates up on that, so that's not the point of my message tonight. Just something for thought. Um, but if, so if your mindset's on success and that's all you're after is just getting that success and achieving that goal, um, then you become empty, depressed, and feeling lonely because that's all you're chasing is your goals. And as soon as you catch them, it turns into more, right? You catch this one goal, now I wanna just achieve these two or three more things. And then when I catch those, it's more things and you just spend your life chasing these down. Um, so this phrase can seem very biblical and Christian, right? Deserve to be happy. Of course, God wants his children to be happy. Um, but that's what can make it even more dangerous. Uh, I just recently was listening to some podcasts, and I heard a certain preacher, I use the air quotes on purpose, uh, slash motivational speaker, maybe some people would call him that. Uh, I'm not going to mention names up here, but you'll probably figure it out. Uh, he said that in his sermons, he's, he preaches to literally, I'd say, a stadium of thousands, thousands of people. And uh, he said his goal and his message is to uh, lift people's spirits. That's literally all he's doing right here is just to make people feel better. So his, his messages never preach about sin or needing Jesus as a savior, um, anything like that. He talks about living your best life now. That's a give it away. <laughs> and how God just loves and accepts you as you are, except he's talking to thousands or tens, I don't even know what the congregation is, but 
in the building and then online, these people are listening that I know there's actually people in his congregation that have been talked about that are living in a homosexual lifestyle or things like that, and he's standing there telling them everything's fine, you're, you're a great person, you just keep thinking those positive thoughts and surround yourself with positive people and, and everything will be okay, you'll achieve all your goals and dreams because that's what God has for you. So, now I'm starting to sound like him, I'll just stop. <laughs> but it's not, that's one example that's common, but there's literally like hundreds of, you know, hundreds or thousands of pastors using this kind of mindset. Um, a, more, a more simple point to take on another topic is to flip it around, right? So if I, if, I, if I think this, I deserve to be happy, what about when unhappy things come into my life? Then I start to check myself, what have I done wrong? And then it turns, the focus turns back to self, right? Unhappy things come in my life, did I do something wrong? Did I not pray enough, hard enough? Did I not have enough faith? What did I do to mess this up? Because I must have done something wrong. Again, I, me, me, I. It puts all the pressure on us, but we're fallible humans, and we were never meant to carry this burden. It puts us focus on self and distracts from plans and purposes that God has for our life. And when we hit that point, it's very easy to slip into deconstruction from there, which is going crazy in our culture right now. So you can see where one little phrase here can spark the fuse that turns into the destruction of someone's faith. So that's the, another danger of it that way. Uh, on a more personal note, I'm sure everybody in here has had or is experiencing currently unhappy times, right? If we deserve to be happy all the time, then why are we going through unhappy things? Um, my family and I are walking through some pretty unhappy things right now. Um, just recently, back in April, we, Jessica's grandma passed, and then the beginning of this month, Jessica's mom passed. And that was just a whirlwind of emotions. We're still dealing with that kind of stuff right now. Um, waiting for the death certificate, things like that. It's like a, it's a process. <laughs> um, and then more commonly that a lot of people are familiar with is... Um, but, you know, through that, it's, it's a, a bunch of crazy, unhappy things happening. But because we have trust and faith in God to get us through this and the future to come, which we'll talk more about, that's what gives us that peace and that joy, right? It's not happy because that's a fleeting feeling. It's joy that can last through hard times. Um, a bigger one for us would have been when we lost our daughter Haven in 2019. <laughs> See, you put them in the notes and you just think you're going to get through it. It never does. Um, so Nathan asked me, you know, has this phrase ever been a, a struggle for you? And I said, at that time in our life, this phrase was never further from my mind. You deserve to be happy. I don't deserve anything. And in this moment, as we're in the hospital trying to figure out what's happened, there was no answers. They had no reason. It's, we, we could see where a lot of, a lot of marriages end in divorce when there's a child loss because they become, either they grieve separately or differently, you know, they're diff grieving at different levels. Or maybe something happened that one blames the other, and then they start to turn on each other, and it's just, it's like a playground for the devil, really, as he can just get in there and start. So for us, we're, I'm so thankful and blessed that we were able to take that moment and say, God, we have no idea what's going on or why this is happening, but you're sovereign over us. And so going from the mindset, because we did actually come from, I mean, years, almost a decade myself of just hyper-charismatic, the name it and claim it stuff. So that's why it's interesting that Nathan <laughs> picked this one for me. I told him to pick any of the six. I would be happy to take on any of these topics. They're just, I love apologetics and this kind of stuff. But coming from the mindset of if anything bad happens in your life, you're supposed to rebuke it and attack it and just push it away until it goes. And if you don't, then you're not praying hard enough. Again, it goes back to the, I don't have enough faith. I didn't do that. Yes, we pray for healing. Yes, we pray against, you know, the attacks of the enemy, things like that. But in this moment, it's like, you know, how do I pray against my daughter dying? She's already dead. You know, she's already passed. We know where she is at that moment, right? As soon as she wasn't here, we know where she is. She's up in his arms. And so in that moment, we're saying, God, we don't know what's going on or why this happened or why you allowed this to happen, but it helps shift my mindset from, you know, attacking every single negative thing, right? It would go back to the uh, hedonistic 
happiness. You attack everything that's negative because there's no way that God would let anything negative into your life. And I switched that mindset to, like Job and those kind of situations, why don't we start thanking God for everything he allows in our life? When you read the story of Job, the devil was never allowed, or the accuser, the, you know, what was in there. He was never allowed to do anything that God didn't give him permission to do. He came and said, well, let me do this. And he said, okay, you can do this, but you can't kill him. You can do this, but not. So it was always permission with guardrails. It was always you know, like he's on a leash, right? You can go this far, but that, don't, don't mess with him too much. So having that mindset and seeing that example, it's like, well, God allowed this into our life for some reason. And then shortly after, we started the Haven Rose Foundation, and we we're able to now bless families and bring healing and that hope and help restore these relationships that are on the rocks. We can come in and be that glue to kind of help pull them together with a Christ-centered message. So that for me is where <laughs> this you deserve to be happy was not really uh, applied in my life. So anyway, that is a personal note. That's kind of the world. Now let's switch gears, and we're going to, I like has... Have you familiar with Ken Ham? He's put on our biblical glasses, right? <laughs> if you guys know Ken Ham, that's exactly. He's like, I'm going to put on our biblical glasses. He looks through the... <laughs> So we want to see the Bible, the, see everything in life through the, the lens of the Bible, right? Um, so what does that look like? Do we actually deserve to be happy? And then to follow up on that, does God want us to be happy? Um, a curveball, I would say, it is true that God wants us to be happy. Uh, but the issue is that often, just like all these examples we've looked at, we do it from our perspective and our fleshly desires. I like Doug would always say, your flesh is never going to get saved, right? Pastor Doug. <laughs> it's like, your flesh is never going to save. He said that one time and I was like, wow, that totally shifted my mindset. That Why am I trying to act like my flesh is going to behave and actually line up with what I want to do in my life? Get that mindset going. But what we deserve is quite opposite. Um, so if you're familiar like the Romans road thing like that, I won't take you down that road, but um, just a few couple of scriptures. Romans 3.23 um, says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then you step into Romans 6, 23, and he says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. So right there is that's our wages, right? That's what you earn. That's what we deserve. We're sinful people. We've all sinned. We earn and we deserve death. But God, in Romans 5, 8 says, but God proves his own love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When I got saved in 2004, that was my favorite verse because I was like, not when I'm pulling myself together and I got my shiny version on and I'm like doing my best job and he's like, okay, perfect. Now hold that, you know, hold that pose. You're doing good. <laughs> now, now I'll die for you. It was like, no, when you're at your worst moment. So um, I like the, a quote from Greg Laurie that's, I call it like the Romans Road shortcut, right? It says, Jesus came to pay a debt he did not owe because we owed a debt that we couldn't pay. I love that one. So true, uh, true happiness biblically, all through the Bible we see people that um, went through unhappy situations. Like we mentioned Job, right? He had a really hard times. David on many occasions. Uh, the Psalms, if you read through, there's like an emotional roller coaster. It's like even the same Psalm. You can be in a Psalm and he's like, oh, my life's falling apart and then it's not so bad and I love God and I'm just so dedicated. And it's like, wow, <laughs> the guy's got a rough life. Um, and then Moses, right? He wandered around leading up to, but then a solid 40 years in the wilderness with the Israelites that were constantly complaining and nagging him and like turning away every time he would walk away from them, he'd come back and they were making calves and all sorts of crazy things. It's like, that was not a happy life. And then he didn't even get to go to the promised land, right? It's like he gets right there and then because of an act, you know, it was his choice, he decided not to trust God. Um, you know, he didn't get to even go into the promised land. So talk about unhappy, right? Um, but I want to close up with Paul. He had a pretty crazy life as well. After his conversion, right, he was arrested countless times uh, just for preaching about Jesus. He was shipwrecked, bitten by a snake, uh, afflicted with a thorn in the side that God remo uh, refused to remove. 
and a lot more that is recorded and even plenty more that probably wasn't even recorded. Like, <laughs> I just feel like the things that happened in Paul's life was just like every day, like, I can't write this stuff down too much. <laughs> they didn't have computers, so they had to write everything, right? Um, a good scripture uh, to get a, a, a picture of his mindset, right? So have that in mind. He's in prison all the time. Most of the stuff he wrote in the New Testament was from prison. He's in jail writing these things. Uh, Philippians 4, 11 through 13 says, I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am in. I know how to have a little, and I know how to have a lot. Uh, in any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret, the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or need. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. That last phrase gets misquoted all the time to just blank check. I can do anything I want, again, to be happy because God gives me the strength to do whatever I want. But it's actually, if you look at it in context, Paul's actually saying, in the midst of all this stuff, it's God who gives us the strength to go through these unhappy times. Um, and then if we mentioned his thorn in his side, right? 2 Corinthians 12, uh, 7 through 10 says, So, uh, therefore, so I would not exalt myself in the flesh. A uh, thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment me, so I would not exalt myself. Concerning this, I plead with the Lord, I pled with the Lord three times to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, uh, for power, my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weakness, so that Christ's power may reside in me, so I take pleasure in weakness, insults, catastrophes, persecutions, pressures, because of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That last little list right there is pretty, those are a lot of unhappy, I deserve to be happy, but catastrophes, persecution, like it's pretty intense. <laughs> but God was giving him this to keep him humble, right? God knows our best. He knows what's best for us. Um, and then earlier up in 2 Corinthians 4, he says, uh, this is, I like this kind of picture of his mindset of happiness, right? Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 9 says, Now we have this treasure in clay jars so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. We are pressured in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair. We are persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. I always have that song go through my head when I read that, <laughs> if you're familiar with this song. <laughs> um, and then if you jump down to verse 16 through 18, he says, Therefore we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our, it's a key word right here, momentary light affliction. I like how he refers to all the things he's going to. It's just a momentary, it's just, well, it's just a thing. It's, pro it's producing for us an, abundant, uh, an absolutely incorruptible, eternal weight of glory. That's intense. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And that passage right there, you kind of see this, you know, momentary affliction, this kind of thing. Uh, it ties perfectly in with what I like to refer to as my life scripture now. Uh, Jessica always laughs when I use it. Because anytime something crazy in the world's going on, you see something on the news, I just say, you know, Second Peter 3.13. That's all it is. Um, so what it is is um, it comes in after the writer's reminding the reader of the predictions of the prophets, the last days, the day of the Lord, the sky's melting, the earth is falling apart, like all this stuff is going nuts. And then he slips in this part and says, but based on his promise, we wait for a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So we literally are having first world problems because this is the first world. <laughs> and they won't exist in the second world. So there you go. So anytime you hear the word first world problems, just think, yeah, globally we are having first world problems. So personally, with that helpful reminder, I truly can be happy the way that God wants me to be by realizing that I, by default, am a terrible sinner and that our wonderful Jesus paid the price for me to be free from the punishment that I deserved, those death wages that we talked about. So remember, we don't deserve happiness. It was bought and offered as a gift, paid for by the blood of Jesus that we can own, uh, so that we can live in eternal, true happiness, 
uh, after we get past these first world problems. <laughs> so thank you. Uh, that is what I want to share tonight. So God, I just want to thank you tonight, Lord God, for this message. Lord, I pray that um, people would pull, pull things from this uh, thought process that we can see. If we search for happiness in the world, Lord God, that it'll just something, be something that we're going to constantly be chasing day after day, moment after moment, that's never actually going to uh, be anything that we can catch to hold on to. It's like the thought of holding sand or holding water in your hand, like it just slips through your fingers and you don't have it. But God, we can have true happiness, true joy, peace. Um, it's even listed out in the fruits of the Spirit, Lord God. It's right there, that it's something that we can have by giving our lives to you, just accepting you as Lord and Savior, repenting of our sins, and just making you the Lord of our life. So God, we just pray tonight that if anybody hasn't done that, that they would have this opportunity. Um, and those that have, of us that have, that we would take this refreshed mindset um, back just into our daily lives and remember that uh, we don't deserve to be happy, but that you paid for true joy and peace for our lives. Thank you, Jesus.